Happy Mother's Day. Yes, yes. So if we could do this, let's have all the moms stand up. And you got a little rose coming in this morning, like all the, all the women who got roses this morning. If you didn't get one, just let us know. We'll get you one. But if we have all the moms especially stand up, we do have a, a small, another small little gift for you, all right? So if all the moms stand up, come on. Yep, uh-huh, that's good. All the moms stand up. Just remain standing. We're going to get a little gift to you, okay? continue to, to stand up because, um, you know, it's, you all do so much. And, and we all have just amazing, a lot of us have amazing memories uh, of our mom. And so it's just something small, you know, that we do to give you a little gift and to acknowledge you on this particular day. But what's really important for us is we want to continue to encourage you and to especially bless you in your particular role so important in people's lives, not only for just for your family, but for us as a community as well. So what I've done is I've asked Lisa Chu, one of our you know, amazing matriarchs, to come up here and to offer a, pr a prayer to bless you all. All right, let's invite Lisa up. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we pause this morning to give you many thanks for the lovely women that are standing here today who are mothers, grandmothers, and even great-grandmothers. Lord, thank you for the precious gift of moms. And I also want to acknowledge and thank uh, women in this uh, congregation this morning who have played a mother role in the lives of young people, um, in the lives of young people and young children who are, who are not their own, but they have been mothers to them. Lord, being a mother and motherhood is such a precious gift. Thank you for a mother's heart that always uh, has compassion and desires the best for her children. Thank you, Lord, for a mother's voice who has whispered many, many prayers for her children, who has shared wisdom, encouragement, as well as uh, training and admonishment in love. Thank you for a mother's hands that has served tirelessly doing so many things throughout the day to um, help her family. Thank you for a mother's feet who walks alongside her children from the day they were born until uh, the end, actually, uh, we walk with them. Lord, but thank you so much. And most of all, we just thank you for showing what love is. Um, your deep love for the daughters and son, your daughters and sons, Lord, your, your, the depth of your love costs the life of your, your own son. And help um, the mothers here today and fathers as well, Lord, to 
uh, know the kind of love that you have for us, love that is patient, love that is kind, love that uh, perseveres, that protects, that hopes, that trusts. Your love never fails. Dear God, thank you for entrusting us with children, with young people, with those around us. Help all of us to love with the love that you have loved us. Lord, we love because you first loved us. Thank you so much. We bless these moms here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you give all moms a hand? Amen. Amen. So, so good. And uh, just letting you know, the party continues a little bit more downstairs. We do have some special refreshments. First, for the moms. Okay, there's only a limited number. It's for the moms first. Uh, and then whatever's left, we'll give out to the masses, to the hungry masses. And, but we do have cake from Borcini's, big, huge sheet cake. So everyone gets some of that, okay? A little slice of that, all right? It's going to be really good. Um, welcome to, to FCAC. Uh, welcome to church. So glad you guys are here. Uh, last week after church Sunday, I went to, uh, over to Bellevue because uh, I heard that our, uh, some people here play volleyball in the CSL league, right? And I heard that our, our B minus, in the B minus team was in the finals. And so uh, I heard about that. I was like, I want to go. I want to go watch. And they invited me to come, you know, watch the finals of the game. I won't tell you the outcome, all right? But anyway, um, you know, they, they went and played. And, and as I was sitting there watching, I was just kind of reminded, uh, again, of, of uh, seeing them play volleyball. Why One of the interesting facets about volleyball is that, you know, whether you score a point or whether you make an error, you know what they do, right? Everyone gets high fives, right? Whether you make the point or you make an error, you still get a high five. It's kind of like the same thing. Have you ever seen basketball players when they go and they shoot the free, th free throw, right? So they get two shots. And so when they make the free throw, let's say they hit the first shot, everyone gives them high five, right? But if they go and they miss the shot, guess what? Everyone still gives them a high five, right? It's kind of this weird thing that even if you fail, even if you mess up, you still get an encouragement, right? And I was thinking, man, why do they do that? Why would we do that in the middle of the game? Well, I think the reason why we do that is because we realize that that one missed point, that one failure, it doesn't have to be the defining point in the game. In fact, that one failure could be the rallying point for the next success, and that's how Romans begins, and that's how Romans ends. See, Romans starts off with this really bad error. It starts off with humanity. There's this just big scope of humanity, and they're all kind of stuck. All humanity is lost in our own self-righteousness, our pride, hatred, prejudice, lust. But then it ends. It's like that's not the final word. It ends with these final words, in Romans chapter 16, if you want to turn your Bibles, you can turn there, Romans chapter 16, uh, beginning at, at verse 25. And so Paul ends with these amazing, amazing words. He says this, Now to him, which is God, who is able to establish you. Now to him, that is God, who is able to establish you. So I, I love these I love the opening of Paul's closing. He's saying that God is the one who can establish you. 
that if you would let God in, that he can have the next word and the last word about your life, that he will establish it. Let's say that word together, establish, okay? One, two, three, establish, all right? One more time, establish, yeah. I I love that word. I love the strength of that word because when I think of that word establish, I, I think of so many points in my life where I did not feel established. I can recall so many points in my life where I felt unestablished, where I felt destabilized, where maybe I made a mistake, where I messed up in life. And unlike a volleyball game, right, no one came up to me and gave me a high five. No one slapped me a high five. Maybe they wanted to slap me in the face, but they did not want to slap me a high five, right? Not many people came after a mistake that I made, something I did wrong. Not many people came up and said, you know that one missed opportunity, that one error you made, that, one, that jerk thing that you did, that jerk thing that you said, that's not the defining point of your life. Very few people would come up and say that. In fact, it's just the opposite, right, in real life. Uh, do you know people in your life who, who try to define you by your worst moments? They're called... Family members, right? Family members. I mean, those are the people who do that. It's your parents or your brother and sister. They, they constantly remind you of that, that jerk thing you did. Or, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, they constantly remind you of that. Reminding of your worst moments. And what I love about Scripture and what I love about Paul and what I love about Romans is that what, what we've seen is that we've gone from chapter 1 where humanity is in its worst position Impossible, just stuck in sin. And we get all the way, this arc, all the way to the end of chapter 16. We start out lost, and we start out broken, and we start out so destabilized in our sin. But the arc of the gospel is always bending towards life, and it's always bending towards you being established in faith and hope and love. It's a powerful gospel. And so how you start doesn't have to be how you finish. And your worst moments in life do not have to define you. Um, any of you guys ever, uh, any of you guys have the, the McDonald's app? Who has the McDonald's app? I'm just, be, just be proud. All right, good. A lot, wow, a lot of you proud. Because I was thinking, you know, the McDonald's, like, it's so anti-Seattle, right? There's nothing vegan in it, right? There's... A, Corporate responsibility, probably not, right? Sustainable, I mean, probably not, right? But I've got the McDonald's app, and, and um, I started using it about two months ago to actually do, do ordering. But there were some issues where, um, you know, I would order something, and I would get a notification from my bank that the money was withdrawn, that there was a charge, but then I would get a, also a McDonald's notification saying that it didn't go through. Okay. Yeah, right? The Asian, you, even though you get something free, buy one, get one free, but it's like, no, no, it's, something's wrong. And so one time that happened again, and I, I, was in the, I was actually in the McDonald's store, and I, I told the, uh, the person uh, working there that, hey, this, this, you know, I've got a charge here, but it didn't go through uh, from your end, and you guys don't see it. So can you fix it? What can we do? And he said, okay, this is what you can do. Just, just do your order again. And probably about 20 minutes later, that first order that you did, you'll get credited for it. I said, all right, are you sure? 
right? Because if I, if I get charged again, I'm getting charged twice now for something, right? It's just the Asian in me just trying to make sure I get my deal, right? And so I said, okay, I trust you. And so I did the order again through the app, and sure enough, okay, it, it, it went through, all right? And I got charged. And then I was with Mason, and we left for a while, and he was telling me that, you know, you'll get that credit back that first time. And so we went, and we went to a basketball game that Mason's going to, and I just kind of forgot about it. But then when I got back into my car, I looked at my phone, and I got another notification. And the notification was that I indeed was charged, again, for that second transaction, but I was never reimbursed for, reimbursed for the first. And I was like, I knew that that was going to happen. I knew I wasn't going to get credit. And so I was angry, really angry. And I went back to that McDonald's, and I had to play it really cool. Right? I mean, I was really angry, but I played it really cool. And I said, hey, because that manager was still there, hey, look, look what happened. I got charged for it, but I never got reimbursed for the first charge. And he says, can you reimburse me for the first charge? And he said, no, I, I can't do that because probably what's going to happen is it's just taking a little bit longer. So if you just wait till tomorrow or if you would call your bank tomorrow and something happened when he said, when you call your bank tomorrow, Something happened in my I just flipped, where it's like crazy Pastor Roy came out. It's not, it's not even Pastor anymore, but it's just crazy Roy came out. I was like, wait a minute, you want me to go and you want me to call my bank tomorrow when you can fix it right here? By the way, I'm saying it just like that in that tone of voice. When I can fix it, right, you can fix it right here. He's like, well, I can't really give it back to you because, you know, I, I, it's probably going to come back later tomorrow. I was like, no. No, I'm not going to call my bank tomorrow. I'm not going to waste my time calling. You, need a, you can just help me out and fix it right here. And I'm talking like louder and louder. And I'm noticing that. There's probably four or five people around. And I, I actually just took a moment to look, and they were all kind of like this. And, and, um, and, but then something, because something just flipped, and I was so angry. I was so angry. My logic was thinking this. If I just get more angry and speak louder, like, he will just fix it so that I'll leave, right? So I just got even louder. And then after I said one sentence, and he just kind of walked away, started doing stuff. And then at that moment, I just remembered, wait a minute. I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm supposed to, and I do. Like, I really value, like, I really value being part of our community and we're supposed to be salt and light in, in, to our neighbors and things like that. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, this is, what am I doing? And hopefully there's no one here that recognizes me, right? <laughs> and, um, and I looked to my glance at my side, and there was this person that was just standing like right next to me. I mean, completely invading my space. I mean, so I'm right here. They're literally right here. Just completely, I was like, I did a double take. And then it was this um, Chinese lady. And uh, this Chinese lady, and I kind of remembered her. I kind of noticed, like, I think I know this person. And, and, and I, I realized, wait a minute, I think it's this person who I met her years and years ago. Um, she works at the bank uh, locally, and um, uh, she knows me because I'm a pastor, because we had a, like, a very brief conversation, and she goes to another Chinese church in, in Seattle. And I was just thinking, oh, my God. I hope that's not her. Please let it not be her. Please let her just be a person that just, she just walked in. Or she doesn't recognize me or anything. And then she just kind of leaned in and said, I work at a bank. 
I'm sure you'll be credited in the morning. <laughs> I was like, no! Oh my gosh. And I just kept on looking to the left so she couldn't see my full face so that hopefully she wouldn't recognize it's the English pastor from SCAC. Don't go to that church. That guy's just crazy, you know? I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly. Just one of the worst moments. I don't normally, I'm not normally like that, really. You know, I'm not. And so I, I'm just, and it was so ugly and I was so, it was, it was such a bad, I mean, I, Okay, I'll tell you the second part. Mason came in. He was in the car, and Mason comes and says, Dad, I saw you waving your arms at the guy. And, and I was like, are you okay? And I was like, Mason, let's just go. Let's just go home. Just go home. You know, it was ugly, and I feel so, so, so bad. I mean, it's such a bad moment for a pastor, right? And so every time, you know, actually, I avoided that McDonald's for about a month, but then, you know, but every time I, I want to go back and I want to find that manager and apologize to him, but every time I go to a McDonald's, I feel so bad, and I'm just always complimenting the staff, and man, you guys do such a great job, and the floor is beautiful, and the bathroom's clean, and, and the, the fries are like perfect temperature, and customer service is amazing. You guys are, you know, I'm just constantly, constantly like that. Every McDonald's I go to, I find something that I can praise them for, you know? Because I'm trying to find that poor manager, too, so I can apologize to him. Man, it was ugly. I'm just telling you, it was ugly. And I think that all of us have some of these moments in our lives where, man, it, gets, it got really ugly. Uglier than that, if we were honest. That reveals the worst about us. And maybe you can look back in your life and you can moments where, I don't know, where you're abused in some way, or someone abused you, or there's blatant racism that shapes the way you see yourself today. You experience bullying. There were some traumatic experiences in your life, whether you were responsible for them, or maybe you were a victim of. And what you need to know today is that it doesn't matter how far away you've been from God, how far away, how bad it was, how ugly it was, that you don't need to let your worst day define who you are this day in christ you don't need to let your worst day define who you are this day and that the arc of the gospel is in your life is always bending towards life is always bending towards a life rooted in faith and hope and love that god is the one who is able to establish you now, Paul, when it comes to this idea of our lives being established, even in the messiness that comes around us, whether it's because of us or, or someone else, Paul's very specific on the way that God establishes you. He says this, Now to him, that's God, who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is that we're established in this, the gospel. And he's talking about the whole book of Romans in which he's explained the gospel, which we have spent literally the last six months on traveling down this Roman road. Are you glad that we've been gone, going through this book, one of the most difficult books in the Testament? Are you glad? Yeah, we can, we can applaud scripture for that. Yeah, praise God for that. And so the message about Jesus needs to be really clear. Is that Jesus, the Son of God, that he stepped into humanity, that, that he gave his life on the cross for our brokenness, for our failure, so that he might be able to begin to heal us, to transform us, to inspire us, to fill us, to empower us, and to propel us. 
And you begin a relationship with your heavenly father by crossing that line of faith, by believing in Jesus and just saying, God, my life is yours. Because I'm too broken inside. Because I can't do it on my own. My life is completely, completely yours. But, you know, when I, when I say those words, like you've got to give up your life, you've got to surrender, you've got to be completely dependent upon Jesus. I know for a lot of us, that's hard. Because when we think about our life, and we think about, like, I want to create my life, I want to establish my life, a lot of times we think, I want to establish life on my own terms. Like, I want to do it myself. Like, I want to be able to brag about my life. Maybe not openly, but I'll do it kind of secretly inside. But I want to be able to say, I did that. I I established that. I accomplished that. I did it all myself. I didn't need God. I didn't need another person. I didn't need someone else's help. We just, we want it to be, even as Christians, we want both. We want to be able to say that, yes, God did it all, but then underneath it's like, I did it too. I did it all too. That we can take credit for it. Because we don't like being dependent on other people. But one of the things you need to realize about your life is that we're all dependent on other people. Things that were just completely out of your control. I mean, just think about this. You were born in this century, right? That was completely out of your control. You have certain privileges and advantages today that people wouldn't have had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. That's completely out of your control. You know those beautiful high cheekbones that you have, right? That's not from you. That's from your mom, right? You know that high IQ you have? Really intelligent? That's not from you. That's from your mom, right? You know where we're going with this, right? You know that you're you're really good with your hands and and you're really good creative and problem solving and maybe you're like an amazing engineer and you can build stuff and saw stuff and put stuff together, hammer stuff together, right? That's not from you. That's from your mom, right? Okay, you know where I'm going with this, right? Everything, like so many of these things of who you are, like just completely dependent on someone, something else that's completely out of your control. You are so dependent on others, and you are so dependent on God. And I could go on and list in so many, so many different ways in which we're dependent on God, but let me just give you the most basic one. You know that breath you just took? That's God. And you don't even acknowledge it. I don't even acknowledge it. We don't even say thank you for it. That's God over and over again in your life, just giving you breath after breath. He, you don't, he says you don't even acknowledge it. But God, you are so dependent on God for even every single breath. How much more? How much more? Every aspect of our lives is because of God. I learned this lesson um, many years ago when I was in college, and uh, man, that's like 20, 25 years ago, and um, it's supposed to be a joke, it's not five years ago, do I look that young? Thank you, okay, yeah, 20 some years ago, and um, I think it still works the same way it does today, but so when you apply to, to college, uh, you have to, I, I applied into my, my major, so the major was, I was trying to get into the School of Electrical Engineering, Okay? So you apply to the School of Electrical Engineering. But if you can't, if you're not good enough and you don't get in, you can get into the general college, but you won't get directly into engineering. So the really smart people, they directly get into engineering, uh, electrical engineering. 
But I wasn't that great of a student. I was just okay. So I just got into the College of Engineering. That's it. And then after two years, after you take all your prerequisite courses, then you have to apply again to electioneering school to see if you get in, right? Look at your grades and see if you get it or not. And so it was the end of my two years. And I've, I've shared this with you guys before. I was just a solid C student, right? Just all the way through. I mean, if they could just grade me for being consistent, all right, I'd get an A. But I was just C's all the way through. And it didn't matter how hard I studied. The weird thing is it didn't matter how less I studied. I would always get a C, okay? It just worked out that way. It was just super consistent that way. And um, at the end of the two years, I was just, I was just really nervous because you just basically get a letter in the mail, like, do you get in or not? And um, so I got my letter, opened up the letter, and I didn't get in. And if you're not in, it means you're out. Like, there is no recourse. It's not like you stay in the College of Engineering. I mean, if you don't get in, you're not in. And when I read that letter, I was just, I mean, I was just devastated. Uh, I was just devastated. Because I just, I, I just thought that was my future. I thought that was it. And not only that, but there's this, for, for those of you, that, like a lot of Asians here, like you know like that shame that kind of just kind of pours down over you. It's like I failed and I messed up. I wasn't good enough. You know, I couldn't get in. And then all this anxiety. I, I don't know. Have you ever felt like your life was just over? Not because you're facing death, but because you couldn't see a future in the path that you were taking. And it just feels like your life is over. You ever been there before? And what's worse is like you get into some situations in life where it's so bad, but you don't have anyone to blame but yourself. I mean, it'd be so much easier if I could blame my parents, I could blame my you know, coworker, or blame my boss for, for something. But there's some situations in life where you, I, you can't, there's no one else to blame but yourself. And man, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And there was just days or weeks, I just don't remember how long, I just did not know. There was no recourse. There was no, you know, if you take classes again, I mean, I guess I could go back and take classes again. But like I said, whether it worked hard or not, I would always get a C. I knew I would just, it, it wouldn't work out. And um, just depressed that whole weekend. And the only thing I could, I was just thinking about so, but what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And so I, I remembered that back in my freshman year, in my um, uh, orient, like an orientation class for the, for the engineering school, uh, they would have people come up and speak and introduce themselves. And I remember one person who, it was this lady who was like a counselor. She's like, you ever any questions about different majors and things like that? Then, you know, you just come see me. And she just seemed like a really nice lady. And I didn't know any professors or anything like that. And so I was just thinking, I have no idea what to do at all. And I'm just in this jam, and I'm just completely depressed, and I just was in a particular frame of mind and just didn't see much hope. And I was like, I'm just going to go talk to, find this lady and just talk to her and just see if there's anything at all possible that can be done, you know? So uh, I tracked her down, and I forgot, you know, what her name was, and I just, I didn't have an appointment or anything. I just found her office, and she happened to be there, and I just slumped into the chair that was across her desk. And I just told her, I just told her my story. And I wasn't trying to get pity or anything like that, but I was just trying to figure, is there a recourse? Is, is there a way? Is there, what, what's, my, what's my next pathway? Because I know this is really bad, but besides being depressed, my second thought after I opened that letter was like, oh no, I have to be a business major now. <laughs> 
sorry for all you business majors, but I really did not want to be a business major. I mean, I was just really set on this. So set, so set. I just told her my story, and um, she looked up my transcript and everything. She's like, yeah, you're really good. You know, really consistent there, really amazing. And I don't even know what happened next. I just don't remember. But I just know this, that she picked up the phone, and she was calling someone. She talked to someone. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't remember the words, because I was just in the zone. I was just so... She hangs up the phone, and she says, you're okay. You're in. I'm like, what? What? Wait, what? No, really, you're, you're okay. You're in. You can go now. And it's like, okay, okay. And so I, I just left, and I was just, it, it wasn't computing, but she was, did something, and obviously I, I was out, and now I'm in with no, I didn't do it myself. It was, you know, and, and sure enough, I got like a letter the week after saying I was in. I was in. And then I was filled with all this, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, what, what just happened? And God did all this, and I can't believe I'm in, and I'm going to work really hard now, because I didn't deserve, like, what I got, and I'm just going to make everyone proud. And, and for the next two years, I just, you know, worked really hard, and I got all C's again, all the way through. It was just, I'm just really consistent, you know? I got one A in one class, you know, microelectronics, that's it, but it was just, I was C's all the way through. But I was so glad I was in. I mean, do you ever life ever just can just change like that? It's 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 crazy how things can change from just being totally lost and depressed into being filled with hope. And but but I knew that like it was just my passion was there. And I, I went on to work, you know, as you guys know, for the Navy for, as a research lab for six years, for six years. And when I um, went on to my next job, um, I had a meeting with my big big boss, right? And the big big boss that hired me the big, big boss that hired me that six years ago. And his last words to me were this. He's like, Roy, you know we took a chance on you, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, because yeah. he's on my transcript too, right? Yeah. He says, Roy, you know, we took a, a, a chance on you, but I want you to know that in my 25 years here, you're the best hire I've ever made. And when he said that, my heart and mine did not go to a place where, yeah, I established that, I, I did that, I accomplished that. It did not go there. When he said that, my heart and mine and thoughts were, I was back in that chair. I was back in that chair with no hope and no recourse. And this one woman, because of her, I don't know, her position, I don't know her authority, her kindness and her compassion and grace, and I got in, not because of anything I did for myself. And I was thinking, man, I don't deserve any of this. All of these successes, all the things, or all my accomplishments, nothing. It all goes back to this one moment I was dependent on someone else. And what I realized also in that particular moment, when my boss said that, I realized at the moment that I am not defined by my failures. But you know what? You know what's so freeing? I'm not defined by my successes either. Because it's all dependent on someone else. You see, that's what Jesus has done for us over and over again. 
We don't deserve God's saving grace. We don't deserve his love and his blessing. And every single breath that we breathe, we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But God just loves. He just pours out his love. Jesus wants you to know that your sin and your worst moments of your life, they don't define you. And you can let the past truly be the past by allowing God to be the Lord of your future. It's all there because when you get your life aligned in the arc of the gospel, he's always establishing you towards life. And sometimes it might be in a moment. It might be instantaneous in one aspect of your life. And for some, it takes a little bit longer. You've got a little bit more to learn, a little bit more to grow. And you can make peace with your past by allowing God to forgive you, to heal, to transform and inspire and to propel you. And I love that lesson was just so powerful. And I need to learn it over and over again sometimes too, that I'm not defined by my failures and I'm not even defined by my successes. I can enjoy my successes and I can learn and be shaped by the pain of failures. But the strength of my life and the strength of your life and the strength of a believer's life flows out of a good God who has established you because of his own kindness to you. Amen? Amen. And that God is so good. He's establishing us day by day. He's inspiring us moment by moment. And I love what Paul says. Paul says in Corinthians about boasting. He says, you know what? I don't boast about my accomplishments. That would just be silly to do that. Why, why would I do that? He says, if I boast, I just boast in Christ. Because God is the one who's given my life. And then he says this, which... It's so good. It's so insightful. He says, if you're going to make me boast, I don't boast about anything, only in Christ. But if you're going to make me boast, I will boast in my weaknesses. I will boast in my vulnerability. I will boast in all my failures. You know why? Because in all my vulnerability, in all my failures, in all the times I fell flat on my face, it was Christ who established me. So I'll boast in my weaknesses because they point to the goodness of God in my life. And so Paul, now, he goes on to say this. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus, and then he says, he continues, this is all one long sentence in Greek. He says, In keeping with the revelation of the mystery, hidden for long ages past, but now revealed, he's talking about the Bible, his, his Bible, that there's something that was kind of hidden, that was only being made known now through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I know it's long, it's a little bit confusing, but let me just summarize what, what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I've been surprised by God. He's saying, I've been, we as a Jewish people, we've been completely shocked by how good, how deep, and how expansive and how powerful the love of God is. And God surprised him through two of his greatest failures. And it's just implied here in the verses. But there's, there's, Paul's very vulnerable too. And there's two of his worst failures that are embedded in what he's saying here. Okay, the first failure is this. See, when Christianity began, Christianity, it's... It, began in Jerusalem, spread like wildfire, began, just began spreading. 
And at that time, Paul was not Paul. Paul was named Saul. He was before he became a Christian. And Paul, Saul, in his zealousness as a Jew, saw this aberrant, aberrant you know, uh, cultic, uh, heretical group called Christians. And Saul, in his zealousness for God, he was this up-and-coming religious leader, says, I am going to, he had permission by the religious leaders to imprison, to persecute, and to even kill Christians. He was there giving approval when Stephen was martyred. And so we know what happens, that Paul is, is this basically, he's a terrorist. But we know that in his story, right, that he meets Jesus, he meets God on the Damas road to Damascus, and he gets blinded, and um, he calls out. He says, who are you, Lord? Because he knows only God can do what, what's going on right now. And the voice speaks back to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Paul persecuted the followers of God that he supposedly was following. How do you recover from that? It's like, oops. How do you recover from falsely imprisoning people? How do you recover from falsely, you know, uh, from, from dispersing people out of their homes that they have to make new lives and they have to become immigrants? How, how do you recover from causing murder? This ain't no volleyball game. Who's going to come alongside you and say, this is not the defining moment of your life? Who's going to help you? And praise God, we know that God sent Ananias, another Christian, to begin to restore Paul. And, and God sent Barnabas, a person that would walk him for many, many, many years, and begin the process of healing and, and restoration. And Paul becomes the last person that you would ever think of that would be write the majority of the New Testament. Why? Because God would not allow Paul to be defined by the worst moments of his life because he was on the ark of the gospel that was establishing to life of faith, hope, and love. He would not allow Paul to be defined by his worst moments, and he won't do that with you either. And then the second failure confronted in this particular verse is that Paul... Before he became Paul, his name was Saul, he was racist. Absolutely, 100%, he was racist. Because as a Jew, you just had this understanding, it was built into your culture that there were Jew and there were Gentiles. And so a Gentile is anyone that's not a Jew. And as a Jewish person, especially in the ancient times, you had this idea that you were part of the chosen people of God. And while there was room for others, Gentiles, a little bit of room, you were still up here because you were the chosen people first and everyone else is over here, is underneath here. And so not only was Saul a terrorist, he was also racist. But through this experience with God and the saving grace of God washing over Paul and his healing and understanding, he got to see how big God's love was because he saw all of, not, not only he came to Christ, but he saw all the Gentiles, all the nations beginning to come to Christ, and it just completely humiliated him, humbled him in a good way, and he was surprised at how big God's love was for the world, and it's this man who is, who grew up racist, prejudiced, is the one who penned those amazing words that in Christ there's a new humanity. There is no Jew, and there is no Gentile, just right there, mind blown, 
worldview. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There's no barbarian, Scythian. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female that all are equal, that all come under the cross of Christ, that we're all in need of a Savior. It's this man who penned those amazing words. He became then the greatest missionary leader that the world's ever known. Why? Because Paul, because God would not allow Paul to be defined by his worst attitudes, by his greatest failures. He just wouldn't let it happen. See, your greatest failure doesn't have to define you if you would place your life in the hands of God. God used Paul's failure He even used his worst failures for his future because nothing, nothing is wasted with God. Nothing in your life is wasted with God. I've been watching this Netflix uh, series called Ainsley Eats the Streets. Anyone seen that one on Netflix? Okay, a couple of you, all right. So this guy named Ainsley is a chef and got a lot of personality. He goes to, to different parts of the world and he just eats street food, all right? And um, I hardly ever eat the street food, right, when you go to different countries and you might get sick or things like that. Anyway, so vicariously, I live through him. And as he goes, and one of the things you notice right away, right away, is like for the Asian and African-American and African countries or Middle Eastern or Mexican countries, things like that, we might eat the same food, but we don't, or eat the same animal, but we don't eat it the same way. And what I mean is this, is that... uh, Asians and Africans and uh, Mexicans and Middle East, they eat every part of the animal, right? If it's the intestines, it's the head, it's the tongue, it's the eyes, the ears, I don't know. Like, we eat everything. Nothing goes to waste. Other cultures, that, that's all trash, right? But in our culture, like, the weirder it is, the more of a delicacy it is and the more expensive it is, right? And the parts that are considered waste, those are like the best parts in the Asian culture, right? Like nothing goes to waste. We just understand that like no part of the body, nothing, nothing goes to waste. And that's the way it is with God. And that's the way that he sees our lives as well. There may be parts of your life that you think is a waste, you might look at your childhood and say, man, that was just, there were so many bad things that happened or just like such a waste, such a waste of time. It was so bad and things happened to me and just such a waste. Some of you are a little bit older and you're looking back at your 20s maybe or you're, some of you are looking back at your 30s and 40s and you think, man, that was just, some things were just really horrible. And whether it was your fault and your responsibility or something that was laid upon you, you just look at back at life and you think, man, that was just, such a waste. But let me let's tell you something. The gospel, the arc of the gospel is always establishing life so that even things in your past can be recycled and redeemed to be a blessing for others in the future. God has a way of pulling all these things together in your life so that nothing, no experience is wasted. And I know that there's some of you here today that you think that your life, you look at your life as being so disadvantaged from other people. And in this moment, maybe you're facing something and you feel like you're just stuck in fear and doubt that God can move you forward. But in Christ, you are never stuck. You're never stuck because the arc of the gospel is always seeking to establish you towards life, life of faith, hope, and trust. 
And there's some of you here that maybe feel like you're too, you're just still too broken to, to move forward. And what you need to do is begin realizing instead of, instead of continuing to lament your life, you realize that those are the very markers that make you relevant to people with the same wounds that you can bless, that you can bless. And sometimes when we think that, man, we're so disadvantaged in life or things that have happened to us, we feel like we're always behind everyone else and like we're on the outside. And sometimes we just wish someone on the inside would just pull us in so that we could be deemed as okay. But God, he placed Paul on the outside so he could reach the rest of the world. And for a lot of us who care of our wounds, we feel like the outside, but maybe... God has us right where he wants us to be. Maybe he heals us right in the midst of where we are so that we could be for others what they need us to be for their healing, for our neighbors, for Beacon Hill, for Seattle, for this world. Because how you start, church, doesn't have to be how you finish. And your greatest failures do not have to define you. Because the arc of the gospel is always bending towards life, established by faith and hope and love. So if you bow your heads with me right now, you know, I just want to ask if you're just, if you're just ready, if you're ready to put your life into God's hands, I just want you to pray. Just pray a simple prayer. You know, if you're ready this morning to just align the trajectory of your life into God's beautiful redemptive arc, then all you got to do is just pray this simple prayer with me and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just right now, just whisper that in your heart. Just, Jesus, I give you my life. Because God is like, the best volleyball player in the world, okay? He's like the best team player. Yeah, you missed opportunities. You had certain failures. You didn't make the mark. You, you missed it. And, but God, but that does not define you. Those things, if you allow Jesus in, they become the fertilizer to a life full of meaning and love and service that transforms your heart and also transforms this world. And there may be some of you here too who you're seeking to be established in a particular way. You may be going through a trial right now. You're trying to get established in your job. You're trying to get established in your finances or your marriage, your what are, your marital, your relationship status. And the invitation to you as well is to say, God, I'm humbling myself. Everything that I've done and where I'm going, it's not dependent just on me. God, I depend on you. I also, I place my life in your hands. I'm going to stop trying to think I'm going to do it all myself apart from God humble myself and say, God, I am completely dependent on you for my job, for my income, for my relationship with my kids that's strained, 
for my marriage, for my finance, all of those things. God, I am 100% dependent on you. God, would you take everything because nothing is wasted with you. And God, I believe that you are in the midst of my life establishing me because I believe today that the arc of the gospel is establishing me towards life, beginning with faith in you and hope and love. Trust you. God, thank you so much for this morning that brings us all together. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for these past, wow, six months that we've been traveling on this arc of the gospel, going from lost and stuck in our sin all the way to being established in the hope of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we all leave here today different. Pray that we all leave here today with faith, hope, and love for whatever future we're facing because we know that every future can be established in Christ when we put you at the center and say, Lord, I give you, I give you my life. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Church, let's all stand together and let's sing. <laughs>